Ultimate Guide Podcast, Episode 73. It's the Boomer Gal, Kaylin Amadio, and this is the Boomer's Ultimate Guide Podcast. And of course, as I do every week, I have another great guest for you to meet. As a former stock trading instructor, Kate Stalder brings a wealth of experience to her role as the founder of Better Money Decisions. I've already told her I, I like that name already. Tells you what we're going to talk about today. Now, the clients of Better Money Decisions are benefiting from the perspective that Kate gained while teaching thousands of investors how to trade using fundamental and technical analysis. She traveled the country teaching the Investors Business Daily Seminars. She also hosted the Small Cap Roundup a syndicated radio show around the country, the U.S. She continues to be a regular columnist for U.S. News and World Report, Morningstar, Forbes.com, TheStreet.com, and various other venues, and she has a very long list of accomplishments and involvement in the wealth management field. So first of all, Kate, welcome to Boomer's Ultimate Guide Podcast. Thank you, Kaylin. I'm so happy to be here. I am glad that you have time for us, and um, I just want to ask you, you do have a, a big resume, right? And I gave people a very small nugget of it. So there are two things that I would ask of you. First of all, to expand, tell us more about you and how you got, you came to be, you know, in your field and, and doing what you're doing now. And I never stop a guest from telling us whether or not they too are a baby boomer. Okay. <laughs> well, to, to answer that first, the second part of your question. I'm actually in that very, very youngest cohort of the boomer generation. Me too. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. And I think I've always said culturally, and I don't know if you feel this way, but I've always felt like I have more in common with Gen X actually. It's so uh, funny that you should say that. Cause I was, I was reading an article. I was with an employee who happens to be 32 and we were saying, are you a millennial or are you not a millennial? We were having this discussion. And so we were mm -hmm. reading up on it. A little bit. And there is there is some debate about people born in the 60s, whether or mm -hmm. not they really are boomers or whether they're Gen X. And I was reading all the different criteria and I really was on the fence. I was like half of it. I was Gen X, but the other half I was a boomer. So I uh -huh. don't know. I don't know. Yeah. What to what to call it's myself. a fun question. <laughs> it is. I find the whole thing yeah. fascinating, but uh, I, I digress. Tell me tell me more about you and how you came to be doing what you're doing. Yeah, I'm glad you asked about that because it's funny. I actually came from a liberal arts background. I was that kid who was writing stories. I was putting together little storybooks when I was a child. You know, we mentioned that uh, that you're in New York. I, I grew up on the East Coast as well. And it's funny because a lot of people now that I'm in finance today, they assume I was some kind of math person or quant right. geek. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I think that's a really important thing to point out is because this business is about people. It's a human business. It is not a numbers business. Okay. Now, yeah, the numbers are important, but, you know, we have we have a portfolio analyst at the firm. Anybody really a smart person can do any of the math required. It's basic arithmetic, you know? So it's, it's really, I, I really feel that's, I, I like to point that out to people that finance 
is about today. For the boomer generation in particular, since that's who we're talking about here, and that's who we work with, it's about what people want. So I, what, what they want to do in their lives. So I was a creative writing major in college, always had a history of being a writer, worked at a lot of different newspapers. In the late 90s, I was actually working as a reporter and editor at a place called Variety in Los Angeles that covered the entertainment business. And I was a business reporter there. I was covering technology. Got really interested in getting an MBA because a lot of the people I saw right at that time, now if you think about it, what was going on right then in the late 90s, that was the whole boom of the internet, of interactive media. I was covering all that as a reporter. It was a lot of fun. That's exactly when I was studying for an MBA too. It felt like the thing to do. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Okay. So yeah, exactly. So I was really curious about the people who had these marketing jobs at some of these uh, big interactive media companies. So I went, got the MBA, actually worked at one of those dot-com startups right around 99 and 2000, did that whole thing. And then, like everybody else, wanted to start my own internet company at the time. And it's kind of funny because nobody understood what I wanted to do back then. I actually wanted to create content for other companies web pages. Right. Nobody understood that, Kaylin. And I wasn't explaining it correctly. It was a really yes, foreign either. concept at the time. Yeah. Uh, that's right. That's right. Uh, so what ended up happening is I moved back to Los Angeles where I had worked before, got a job with a company called Investors Business Daily and began writing market stock market reports for them. I was on staff there. I gravitated towards, as you mentioned in the bio, teaching some of their stock trading courses. And I was there for a number of years and did a lot of things at that company. It was a fantastic learning experience. But that really kind of led to what I'm doing now, in a sense, which is, I have a story that I like to tell. I was teaching a seminar somewhere. I can't remember what city it was because we traveled around the country doing these And um, a gentleman came up to me before the actual seminar began, and he introduced himself, said he was a a postal worker, and that his daughter was about to start college, and he didn't have any money saved, Mm. and he wanted to know about trading options to pay for her college. Mm. Yeah, so that is... Unfortunately, for the overwhelming majority of people, that's a very risky strategy. And it's not like I went out and quit my job the next day. I didn't. You know, these stories never work that way. But it did sort of plant a seed in my mind. Like, wait a second. Am I enabling people here to be doing some things they shouldn't be doing Mm -hmm. where it might be more... I might be using my knowledge and my skills better if I were actually helping clients to make better decisions. (laughs) Um, So that kind of indirectly led to to where I am today. Okay, I get it. Because quite frankly, even the smartest people are intrigued by the get-rich-quick opportunity, right? Everyone wants the magic bullet, the magic pill. You know, if I can take a pill and lose 10 pounds... That would be wonderful. Um, and, you know, everybody wants that quick fix, but um, there's no such thing. And even if you hear a story about somebody who supposedly made it overnight, 
you know. Right. It's often they spent 10 years to get that overnight success, you know, that sudden thing that happened. So um, I could see easily how people could get caught up in, in the whole risky behavior with their money because, it, you know, they need, they're in a need or they think, well, you know, people are doing this and I can do this too. And not right. realizing how risky it could really be. And it's taught that way. Yeah. And that's another thing that kind of that bothers way. me. That's right. That's right. There, there's, you know, I actually, after that particular story happened, that was sort of not the end of my of my involvement with, with that world. I actually went on for a few years. I left Investors Business Daily. And I worked for another company called Money Show as a freelancer. And I did their online videos. I interviewed a lot of people. And that, again, was mostly people with various stock trading systems. And and I think I think that's actually kind of going out of favor pretty right. quickly. And there's a lot of reasons I think that's happening. Uh, we can talk about that if you want later on. But I'm glad to see that it's going out of favor. But nonetheless, there are still a lot of people out there. And they don't really brand it as get rich quick per se. Because I think our brains are maybe, you know, we're skeptical enough these days. But nonetheless, like you said, there's that there's that hope that's right. there. That if I learn the right trading system, if I yeah. can just do this. Yeah, they plant that little seed. Yeah. That, yeah. that really is the get rich quick. See, it and, is. It, and it doesn't just exist in um, your industry. It exists in all industries, mm. right? So it doesn't really matter what you do. There is a seminar out there for you that's going to teach you, you know, all the magic tricks to mm-hmm. get what you need. When, you know, in my experience, it really just boils down to often the simplest things and to follow through and do them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And people don't always want to hear that. I mean, right. you know, you gave the example of weight loss. That's a good one. You're right. That's Yeah. You know, it's just, <laughs> it, they're, it's pretty simple, but you uh-huh. have to follow through over a period of time and you get the results, right? Right. It, you know, it, mm-hmm. there's very little in the world that's rocket science, except rocket science and brain surgery. So, <laughs> right. you know, for, for the rest of us, we really can't accomplish just about in, any of it. So mm-hmm. I assume you work with all different kinds of people. Do you find um, that the baby boomer generation is different in any way as as you work with them in making their better money decisions? Mm-hmm. Actually, the boomers are pretty much exclusively our clients. Mm. That's that's really and you know there's a lot of talk these days about the millennials as being uh, clients of financial planners and advisors. <sighs> You know, it's starting to happen a tiny bit in some of the bigger cities where you have some more. Well, um, they need some wealth that the, that they can set aside, and they haven't. Exactly. You know, as a generation, they haven't quite gotten there yet, and there's a lot of reasons for that. I I have created three millennials, right? So I, I'm very familiar with their plight, you know, and the fact that we're not retiring and making room for them to get jobs. You know, it's a whole mm-hmm. cycle that they find themselves in. And part of it, too, is the boomers did not save enough to retire. And then, you know, there's a whole lot of things that kind of cascade into this. And we were, you know, also, and we alluded to this a little bit at the beginning of our conversation, but uh, the fact that that boomer generation spans from 1946 to 1964, roughly, you know, those are the typical numbers given. So the concerns of a person who's 70, born in 1946, 
are quite different than a person born in 1964 who may still have children at home. Yep. So, right. right, You're looking looking at one. Right. (laughs) So it's almost in some senses a misnomer to even kind of lump everybody together. Now, that said, uh, the folks we work with, we are seeing more people in their 50s are starting to come to us now. And that does kind of make sense because they're starting to think about retirement. Mm -hmm. Maybe more of them, even people in their 50s, maybe their kids are out of college now Mm -hmm. and they can kind of take a breath and say, all right, what about me now? Yeah, fewer expenses. (laughs) Now I can, yeah, now I can think about me. We're getting to that point here in this household. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So you you know exactly what that is. So it's really, it's, it's people across that entire age range. One thing that we see, and again, I think this, it could be regional. Now we, we are, our firm is located in Albuquerque, New Mexico, although we, we do business with clients around the country. uh, Although the majority of our clients are in this particular state and what we see a lot for the boomer generation. And again, this is pretty well documented is receiving inheritances Mm from the prior generation who were better savers and frankly had pensions, had some things going for them that perhaps the boomers do not have. Yeah, business was different, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. They did, they had pensions and profit sharing and stock, they were given stock and, yeah. Right, so a lot of things were different, uh, but also I want to give credit where credit's due. I think that generation was better at living below their means. Yes. And being they, able they to are. save. Yes. I agree with <laughs> yeah. you too. When I think about my parents, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. It's funny because my parents actually uh when my brothers and I were were much older, they they told us. They said, "You know, we actually bought less house than we qualified for because we needed to save up money for college and other things." And I was thinking about that. I said, "Wow, you know, I don't think I, I think a lot of boomers that would not have occurred to them. Maybe now, maybe after the real estate bust and all of that, right. but for a long time. <laughs> yeah, you know? no, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think that would have been the mindset of, of most of my peers, except for 2008 happening. Yeah, right. you're right. So if yeah. we could offer the people listening or watching us today th- through this conversation about, um, you know, managing their money in a better fashion for them for their lifestyle for whatever it is they want to accomplish mm-hmm. what would be your top 3 tips that you could offer them making better money decisions yeah you know the first thing is think about longevity now one thing that's happening is americans are living a lot longer you know, do you know I what think, the average ages are anymore? Like, what's what's the expectancy? Do, okay, so I do, and there's a couple ways to answer that. So, the average life expectancy in the United States has grown to about, you know, and again, it depends what statistics you look at, but it's late seventies. Okay. okay, so maybe seventy six <coughs> to seventy eight, and that's for men and women. I tend to not really break it down that much, uh, just looking at everybody across the board. Now that's misleading because that number includes people who died as children, people who died in their twenties. So for a person who's 65 years old, then the stats change. 
Okay. For a person who's made it to 65, on average, that person should plan to live till his or her mid-80s on wow. average. Okay. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's a really important thing. And then get this. The number of people living to 100 in the United States grew by 43% in the last decade. 43 so it, it's wow. still a relatively small number, but it's growing really fast. But, yeah, that's a very rapid growth. Because you, you remember when, uh, oh, what was that weatherman's name on uh, the Today Show on NBC? Willard Scott, Yes, right? Willard yeah. Scott. And he, uh -huh. would, he would do those shout outs to people yep. who had hit 100. And it was, a, it was such a rare thing, you know. And now I feel like every time I turn around, <laughs> some friend's, you know, parent is turning 100, you know. Yep, yep. So that's a big, big thing that we really talk to people about because I think Americans still have in their mind 65 as the right. retirement age. Yeah. and Yeah. <laughs> another 20 years after that is a really long time to have to support yourself financially, not just right. you know getting to do all the things that you might want to do, but to support yourself financially. Okay. So tip number one was to think, be aware of longevity. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, then tip number two, and this is just something that w we've seen a lot lately and we're a little surprised by it, frankly, be careful of the mortgages as you approach retirement. Mm. We're seeing a lot of people, and, and this maybe goes back to what we were just talking about a few minutes ago about the house and the spending and the boomer mentality. We're starting to see people buying a lot of house and taking on big mortgages when they're either already retired or just a few years from retirement. Mm -hmm. And that's a bit of a head scratcher because it feels like we're kind of flashing back to 2005 in a sense, because I have a business partner, Lorraine L., who's uh, the CEO of the firm, and she and I kind of look at each other sometimes and we're starting to say, what's going on with the lending here? Right. Right. Is, is, is that, you know, people are getting approved for these loans that, you know, maybe it makes sense at the moment. Some of them we even say this doesn't even make sense at the moment. But the idea of, OK, over the next 20 years as you retire, it makes less and less sense. Right. So. So. So are you saying it, it doesn't make sense on on paper from a financial standpoint? Like, why is the bank doing this or are, are people um and maybe it's a little bit of both you know because our generation you know that created the millennials who keep coming home you know and we keep welcoming them and having them come home and live with us right so you know people are not downsizing necessarily they're keeping you know the three bedroom house mhm mm mhm and some of that is what we're kind of seeing mostly is the ones that are kind of going out in their 60s and buying a dream home and financing it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, I know. And again, who knows if this is something regional? I, I don't know. I have no data on this. This is just something that anecdotally we've observed quite a bit. Okay. And it's, I would just kind of caution everybody watching listening if this is if this is something you're considering please crunch the numbers very carefully right. talk to a financial planner okay about this okay interesting you know? i wasn't anticipating that all right <laughs> yeah i i would i would not have thought that myself a year ago but it just keeps popping up 
And you know, the, the third the third thing really is coordinate your planning with your spouse if you are married because people need to really consider social security is a big big thing and there's no reason really as as we sit here today no reason for the boomer generation to believe that social security is going to be taken away people need to realize it's congress that makes these decisions not the president i want to say that um and it would just be politically extremely, extremely devastating for any party to say, oh, we're taking Social Security away from the baby boom generation. Right. The last time that anybody's benefit was cut, and if you and I are both born in the 60s, our benefit was actually cut back in 1983, mm-hmm. when neither you nor I were paying attention to yeah. Social Security. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right? And that's the way they do it, Kaylin. They they take away the benefit. They cut, not take away, I'm, I'm overstating that dramatically, but they cut the benefit for people who are not paying attention or who right. are too young. And who are, young. yeah, they're really not worried about it. No, it's not on their radar yet. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. But for the baby boom generation, please realize Social Security is typically about a third of the average American's retirement income, mm-hmm. not something to be taken lightly. If you were born before 1960, for most of the boomers, your full retirement age is going to be 66. Uh, If you were born actually between uh, 43 and 54, and and actually in the 1950s, rather, your, your social security age is going to be 66 and then some months. 1960 or later, it's going to be age 67. Right. That needs to be taken into account. I still meet people who are born in the 1960s who think, oh, I'm going to retire at 65 and take Social Security. No, you're not. <laughs> that's right. not going to work. Yeah, it's not working that uh, way. That's right. So there's a lot of decisions that you have to make in conjunction with your spouse. If one person in a married couple can wait until 70 to take the benefit, mm-hmm. particularly the higher earner, or even if both the spouses make kind of the same, and, and we see that quite a bit these days too, in that case, definitely do it because that has an effect on the survivor because when one spouse passes away, the surviving spouse gets the higher of the two benefits. That was something enacted back in the 1930s, has never changed, and ah. is still a really good thing to keep in mind when claiming. So so Social Security claiming strategies are very, very important, and I would urge people to pay attention. Now, if you're in your 50s, it's not you know, most people honestly don't really start keying into that until they're in their early 60s because you can't claim till 62 anyway. So if you're right. listening to this and you're in your 50s, just keep working and amassing your credits. Don't sweat it at this point in time unless your spouse is older. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're in your 50s and you have an older spouse, you might want to have that person wait as long as possible to take their benefit. Sure. Okay. I would say that. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Yeah, I know it's it's complicated. I And honestly, I don't think about it much. My husband and I right. are both still in our early 50s, so we really don't think about it. And quite frankly, we always assumed it wouldn't be there, so we just sort of ignore it. And it'll be a bonus, I guess, you know, to That's us. probably a good way to look at it, Yeah, actually. and it, rather than, yeah. you know, worry about how it's going to happen, just, you know, right. we assume, okay, that's, that's not a factor. How else are we going to take care of ourselves, right? All right, right, so those were those were three great tips. Now, the the other side of that coin is um, the challenge 
right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're always going to come up against challenges, but what would you identify lately as the biggest challenge or obstacle that you're going to see boomers running into as they start mm-hmm. going through this process, this decision-making process? Mm-hmm. Running out of money. Mm. That that's 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 a danger. That's a real danger. And I know, you know, you can any day of the week you could Google and you can find stories and brand new news story about how the boomers are underprepared for retirement. As a whole, that's true. And I think this again comes back to that issue of the longevity. And you know, most people when they think about how long they expect to live, you look at the parents, right? Right. And so most people think like either they live to this age or they're alive and well, and you know, so that's how people tend to do that. But actually the insurance industry who has a vested interest in all of this, of course, has done quite a bit of research and has found, I attended a seminar a few years ago and they were talking about the fact that actually lifestyle seems to have more of an effect on life expectancy than genetics. And by lifestyle, we're so fortunate to live where we do and when we do because we have so many medications these days uh. that just that, that cure conditions that you know would have killed people right. a generation ago. Right. We fewer people smoke. Right. More people are exercising, even though we have obesity problems, you still have the other thing of at least people know, yeah, I should get some cardio exercise once in a while. Yeah. Uh, you know, so we do have things going in our favor that are, that are extending the life expectancies. And then that kind of clashes with this whole idea of not having saved enough. Mm. So that's a very, very big problem. If you're in your 50s or 60s, you have time. You have time. One of the saddest stories I ran into was I got a call a couple years ago from a woman who was 74 years old at the time. Her husband was 88 and she was still working. She was a realtor. Her husband had retired and they really had almost nothing. They had a house. Yeah, they had their house and her work is as a realtor. And it's kind of like she wanted to retire, but there was really, there was no way for her to retire. Mm. So, you know, unfortunately, there's more of that going on. And I know, like, sometimes I feel like I'm this this bearer of all the bad news. <laughs> and, but that that's kind of, I, I, I just, I think some of these are cautionary tales. And while you still have time, that's that's really the thing to do. Make a financial plan. Now, one of the things, too, that, that I like to say is financial planning is not this thing where you get some leather-bound book with your initials on it and it's a bunch of tables and charts and then you throw it in a drawer and you never, you never look at it again. This is what we do. We walk with people throughout these decisions. We partner with them. It's an ongoing process. Right. I mean, it's it's the estate planning, which which sounds a lot more grandiose than it really is. It, it just means how how are you making sure that your houses, your accounts, your businesses, anything that you own, you know, what happens if you get hit by a bus today? Right. We see too many too many people 
have left a mess for their children. Yeah. And by children, I mean people in their 60s, actually. Uh, but, but still, you know, oh, yeah, you don't, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that right. to, to your um, family, right? right? Why not right. Uh, make some of those decisions so that it's easier for them? Especially when they're going to be even less prepared because they know less about, you know, your estate than you do, mm-hmm. typically. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be even that much more difficult for them. Oh, that's that's exactly right. So, you know, that's one of the things. It's it is this idea of if you are fortunate enough to get an inheritance. And when I say inheritance, I don't mean millions. I mean, you know, we see people who get an inheritance of maybe 2 or 300,000 and that can be life-changing. Right. Absolutely life-changing if if it's managed correctly. Right, right. So, you know, I've seen, again, the sad stories of people who get an inheritance and spend it and then kind of wake up a few years later and say, oh, I'd like to retire now. I wish I could go back in time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and not have made that mistake. Or make risky investments um, with it because they think, oh, this is extra money. You know, let me make it big. Like like we were mm-hmm. talking about earlier, the, the magic mm-hmm. bullet, mm-hmm. right? You know what we see a lot with the with the women in the boomer generation, um, and some men too, uh, but but a lot with with the women is being a little bit too conservative on the investment side. And now that I think about it, actually, I think the last few years a lot of the guys have gone this way as well. Mm-hmm. Is that people leave a lot of money in cash because they feel like that's going to be safe. Mm-hmm. But when you start to sit down with a person who's maybe 60 years old and say, okay, we are going to plan that you're going to live to 100 because better safe than sorry. And that cash is not as safe as you think. It's not going to keep up with inflation and it is not going to give you the return that you're going to need uh, in order to live that long. So these are just a few of these planning decisions that are really, really important and where people can make mistakes very easily. Sure, sure. And that's that's happening um, since 2008, of course. You know, people who are trying to manage their, their wealth in some way have been parking more and more cash, it seems mm-hmm. to me. Or, you, you know, you see the commercials on TV, buy gold, buy silver, you oh. know, all all yeah. that kind of stuff, right? That's, oh, yeah. Because they think it's yeah. it's safer than being in the stock market. But when you, um, and, and Kate, I'm sure, can can tell you, when you start looking historically, right, at what a stock market does, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's a whole different story. You don't, you know, don't, you tend, we tend to hear in the news all the bad things. Right. You know, and, and when the alarm bells go off, and that's what you remember, but you don't really, you don't become aware all the time of the actual trend of what's mm-hmm. going on over even the the 20 years if you retire at 65 and and you've got another 20 years left i mean that's a right. really long time to to be invested you know one of the things i like to tell people and they're people are almost always surprised when i tell them this just because of all the doom and gloom and bad news that we hear in the media constantly I like to tell people ever since 2009, in March in 2009, when the market started to rally back from that debacle Mm -hmm. of 2008, the 
large U.S. stocks, the S&P 500, I'm sure a lot of your listeners have heard of that. That's just an index of the large U.S. stocks has tripled in value since then. See. And sometimes, yeah, right. People look at me, they're like, really? Yeah, really. And I'm sure that that <laughs> stuns people because they mm-hmm. don't they don't think of the stock market, especially during this time period, 2009. Yep. Right. The the rally since 2009. And, you know, who calls it a rally? The news is always telling us how dismal. Right. The growth is right. And the feds mm-hmm. haven't raised the interest rate in forever. And, you know, everything's they're talking about everything stagnant. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's gone up mm-hmm. how much? Triple. It's yep. tripled. OK. Since then. You know, you make a good point. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up about about the media and everything bad that they're saying, because. You know, I've been a financial writer for years. I was doing that before I got licensed and became an advisor. And one thing I tell people is the financial media are not your friends. They're not your advisors. They have no fiduciary responsibility right. or any responsibility for your retirement, for your family. Right. Their objective is to get clicks. It's to about sell ratings. Ads. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. entertainment and ratings. And yeah. that's their job. Is to get mm-hmm. viewers, mm-hmm. and what gets viewers? It's often the bad news, right, and the salacious things. So, yeah, yeah. So I always, I always like to remind people about that. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. Mm-hmm. So, um, if someone wants to make their first move, they're saying, mm-hmm. "Okay, I get it. I'm going to live another forty years." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now, what am I going to do? What What would you have them do first? What's the first step? The first step is to start to get things organized. And I know that's a process, that that's sort of, sometimes that in and of itself is just very daunting. Yeah, and overwhelming. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's kind of evaluating. But you don't have to do it overnight either. No, no, you don't. You really don't. Um, Just get kind of, as, as cliched as it sounds, get your financial documents all together. I have... And this is one of the first things when somebody contacts us and we give them a little sheet and just, you know, just the first thing is just list what you have here. Maybe you have, you know, a 401k that you left in an old job from 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have a little $2,000 in an IRA over here somewhere that you completely forgot about. Maybe you have a little bit of money that you got when your grandmother passed away. You forgot about that because it's just a couple thousand somewhere. You may have an insurance policy and, you know, maybe you took out life insurance when your kids were growing up. Well, now your kids are out of college. Do you really still need that life insurance? And what kind Uh, was it? Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. You know, just kind of gather everything up. Just look at what you and what your spouse or your partner, what you have together as a household. And that's really the first step. And then also kind of concurrently be thinking about what you want. Where do you want this to go? And it changes. I mean, I, I understand that. But, you know, some people have a very set dream. They're like, I want to retire in such and such a place. Or I want to travel. Or I want to just stay right here where I am and have the house paid off. Right. I mean, there's no right answer. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it, it's whatever is important to you. But I think both of those things really have to be done concurrently. And right. it gets you thinking. It really yeah, gets you thinking. Yeah, it does. And, you know, people, it's really funny because when we start this process, Kaylin, people come to us and they say, oh, I have this, this, and this. 
And then like they'll come back the week later, we'll start working on a plan and they'll be like, oh, I remembered this. Right. <laughs> sure. Know? Yeah, it's not all going to come to you uh, at one time. Yeah. You got to start yeah. making a list. Exactly. Exactly. So that's really, that's my, my tip to get started is just what do you have? What do you have to work with? And what do you want? Right. And, and the good thing about that is it's, it's a fairly simple task. Like I said, it doesn't have to happen overnight, but it's a fairly mm-hmm. simple task to sort of make a little bit of time each weekend or, you know, whatever works for you and work mm-hmm. towards this. And it, you know what momentum is, you know, if you can get mm-hmm. yourself to sit down and say, I'm just going to spend five minutes doing this. Then the next thing you know, it's been 30 and then it's, you know, it's been 60 and then it's done and you're ready for the next step. And then it's not so overwhelming. You know, that's how we eat the elephant, right? You know, one bite at a time and, and you'll get there. So it doesn't have to be a big deal. No, it doesn't. And, you know, so often people will say to us, wow, this is such a relief. I feel so good to be doing this. Yeah. And you know, the answers aren't always what you want, you know, and I think that's kind of the scary part, too. It's almost like, you know, the old thing about you don't want to go to the doctor because you don't want to hear bad news. Right. I, I think there's an element of that with financial planning as well. Sure. You know, sure. understandably. But then once you know, then you've got, you know, you've got the ammunition to start making the decisions right. and the changes to course correct. Yes. Yes. You know, exactly. And the sooner the better. Rather well, than, I was just you know, turning that. yourself into a victim. Yeah. Well, like the couple that I was mentioning who were 74 and 88 and, and you know, that was kind of sad because that was too late. Yeah. Now, I don't want to discourage people who are in their 70s from starting to think about this because you should at any age if you haven't. But again, it's exactly as you just said. If you're in your 50s and 60s, that's the ideal time. You know, it's funny because we say to our clients in their 50s all the time, we look at them and we say, you are young. You have time on your side here. Yeah. And people are just like, really? <laughs> like, <laughs> but it's true. Yeah, but the movie theater is going to give me discount tickets right. uh, in, in two years. I must be old. <laughs> good. Save that money and put it in your account. <laughs> right. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Another, another good tip right, right there. Take advantage of those AARP. Uh, right. Uh, discounts, right? <laughs> and put that money away. It'll add up penny by penny. Uh-huh, right. That's so funny. So what is the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you find, to find out more? My website is bettermoneydecisions.com. And you can email me Kate, K-A-T-E at bettermoneydecisions.com. Happy to talk to any of the listeners. Absolutely. Very good. And you know that you can always come back to uh, the Bug Podcast, the Boomer's Ultimate Guide Podcast. Either either one of those will get you to the website where you can look for this particular episode. You can look up, um, you know, lots of different words, you know, finance and retirement and those kinds of words when you come on the website. And this particular episode will come up because, Kate, I always tell people if they're on the treadmill, I'm very proud of them and I don't want them getting off the treadmill. Right. Right. While they're, right. While they're I agree with that. Right. So uh, <laughs> or they're driving in the car and they couldn't write it down. But there's never any worries because mm-hmm. you always come back to the website, Boomers Ultimate Guide dot com. And you will find these links, uh, the email address and the website to get in touch with Kate. Um, and before I let you go, 
Kate, my last question is always, do you have an inspirational quote or story that you would like to share with us before we, we leave? I do have a quote that I like, and I've seen this alternately attributed to either Arthur Ashe, the late tennis player, or President Teddy Roosevelt. And probably they both said something like it, you know, and it's uh, start where you are with what you have. Uh, some, I'm butchering the quote. No, but, but it no. Is, it, yeah, it sounds familiar. I get it. Yeah. 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 Um, and that's that's really it. And to me, that just sums up a lot of things. Yeah, it's it really does. great advice, whoever it came from. Yeah. Start wh- wherever you are with whatever mm-hmm. you have mm-hmm. and move forward. If you if yes. you lean forward, your feet have to keep up with you. That's just, yes. that's all there is to it. Mm-hmm. Well, very good. Kate, it has been nice meeting you. Thank you for taking you time to uh, share your expertise, really, with the Boomer's Ultimate Guide podcast listening audience. All right. Thanks, Kaylin. This has been fun. I'm glad you could make it. And remember, Tuesday afternoons, we release another episode with great guests like Kate Stalder of, excuse me, Better Money Decisions. I'm getting getting all choked up thinking about my money, Kate. <laughs> no, she, I'm Don't on the East that. Coast. It's later for me. I'm, I'm, right. I'm, ready, I'm ready for bed already. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, thank you for your time. Audience, thank you for your time. And until we meet again, I would very much like you all to take care. Boom, baby. That's it for now. See you next time on Boomer's Ultimate Guide Podcast.